Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. There is somebody that is literally stands in the cooler with a parka the entire game uh, and does nothing but changes kegs. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the TailgateSociety.com. Proudly sponsored by Dede Barbecue Sauce, and as you probably just heard, the American Homebrewers Association. We are back for, I don't know what number episode, it's, you know, 17 or 18 or 20, I don't know. They've all been A-plus gold, as you know if you've been listening, and... Uh, this week, uh, we're short JT, at least to start here. He's having a little bit of computer trouble. We've still got Tim with us, um, and JT will jump on when he gets a minute. But we are very happy to have our guest uh, tonight, the owner of Draft Doctor LLC in Portland, Oregon, and lots of other things, a uh, personal friend of mine, Mr. David Whitney. How are you this evening, David? Doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. How do you feel about Aaron calling you a personal friend? Kind of questionable at best. Uh, <laughs> I might have taken a little bit of a liberty with that. It's my podcast. He, he has never, ever volunteered to bury the body. Oh, <laughs> well, you know. Oh, no, that would involve manual labor. He's not going to do that. Hey, I just moved half a cord of firewood an hour ago. Shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, so David and I actually work together. Um, I'm a vendor of his for his company as he uh, has divested or diversified, I guess is the right word, not divested. Uh, diversified his company a little bit. His base uh, business is Beerline Draft Cleaning, you're correct? Correct. <laughs> you know, with, with draft beer and being in kitchens, right. obviously um, – made sense for him to go into the industry that i'm in and we got hooked up through uh trade shows or various other sundry things over the years but uh david uh why don't you go ahead and tell us how you got into the beer business well i started off selling i was in the restaurant industry and then i went into uh selling wine for a living and uh about 1980 uh, 90 90, 93, 94, uh, while I was selling wine, I was approached by a beer company to take care of the wine side of their beer sales and uh, quickly learned that everybody loved the beer guy and nobody liked the wine guy. And <laughs> it, was a, it was a quick transition. Uh, started selling beer 
and uh, taught myself a lot, learned a lot. Uh, I was a Miller distributor, Coors distributor, uh, and then the entire time I was uh, uh, selling beer, people were asking me about how to take care of their beer systems, and so I learned how to do that. Uh, about 2011, uh, when Miller and Coors, uh, came together, uh, 2009, 10, I guess it was, uh, apparent that, uh, there were other things that I should be doing with my life and, uh, selling beer wasn't one of them. And so I moved into, uh, draft doctor, uh, it had been going, I started it in 2006 so it was, it was up and running, but I took it over as the uh, primary uh, primary uh, owner, uh, operator. So you taught classes at uh, Siebel, not Siebel, I'm sorry, not Siebel, taught classes at uh, uh, Cordon Bleu, and uh, I can... I can tell you the proudest thing that I've done if my, with my career is uh, at the International Beverage Dispense uh, Equipment Association. We have started our own school, uh, our own draft school. So uh, we teach everybody, anybody, uh, A to Z, soup to nuts, how to get a draft system going, how to maintain it, how to take care of it, how to troubleshoot it, how to grow it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, truly the, the greatest thing that I've ever done. That's the doctor. So, yeah. He likes to call himself the doctor. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> oh, that um, yeah. Um, so with the school, mm -hmm. um, you say open to anybody, not just members of your organization. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we okay. have uh, we have non-members, uh, non-members that are uh, uh, that attend, and we have uh, so so you, Aaron, you could attend. Uh, your fee would be greatly different than everybody else's, uh, <laughs> unless you bought lots of whiskey uh, and beer during the event <laughs> yeah the so yeah right so i would get charged quadruple because i'd tell him but i know david well that's why you're getting charged quadruple great um <laughs> he, but, he uh, made sure of it <laughs> yes um which is is cool so make sure that you give us a uh, before we get out of here a, a a link or whatever we can tweet it out with the podcast of where people can find that if they want to uh, pursue looking into that. Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a lot, I guess, over the years about how beer lines run and we've talked about it some on the pod uh, because we've had some other folks on that do similar types of stuff, um, you know, running beer lines and doing all of those things, but we haven't really gotten very deep into what the parameters should be for a draft system, really. Um, you know, what temperature, what, you know, a little bit of that, you know, the basics. Because you see in some bars, right, our beer is 30, 
six degrees or whatever, right? They put the sign up and they make a big deal out of it. Right. But for the consumer, is that right, wrong? Does it matter? What's your opinion on that type of thing? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it matters absolutely that the the temperatures are proper. Um, you know, it, it goes back to ultimately not what it – okay. It goes back to what's best for beer, uh, and, that, and I'm going to be ringing that in a l- real hard. But it, when it comes to temperature, the reason why we chase – 38 degrees as a number for beer is because CO2 is most stable is at exactly 38 degrees. And so there's, there's some hard and fast numbers for temperatures and time and flow rates, but we, everybody starts off with 38 because when, when you have an established number of 38 degrees, you you don't have to worry about things like effects to flow rate versus um, yeah flow rate um, temperature affects flow rate so uh, every everything revolves around thirty eight degrees yeah so if you're trying to get that perfect kind of that that perfect pour is that two ounces per second with a one inch head of foam. And so if you're at 38 degrees, say you're here in, in Minneapolis, you're at 750 feet of elevation. Uh, if you just had a direct through the wall, a hundred percent gas, hundred percent CO2, you could set your system to, to nine PSI and you're not going to, you know, you're going to get that perfect pour every single time with that 2.5 times the co2 type of thing so it, it really does come down to just tiny little numbers right it does uh the the, the only thing i would uh, jump up and down about uh and, and throw my sword down on is the magic number since uh the magic number is 12 for mm-hmm. uh for keeping a keeping a beer alive depending on depending on it, the volumes per volume of co2 but if uh if I pull up my handy dandy calculator and I look at it and I go easy blend, 38 degrees, 750 feet, uh, alcohol content, uh, six, seven pressure, 12 volumes per volume of CO2, uh, five or 2.5. Well, yeah, let's say two point, yeah, two point five five. I mean, you're you're using the the McDantum Easy Blend app, I'm guessing. Uh, well, I have the Easy Blend app, app, but I also have the Slide Rule. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. Memorized. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it works out to 100 percent CO2 at 12 pounds. So, mm-hmm. um, and you, you know, usually when we put a system together we'll over restrict uh so that we can uh squeeze 14 pounds of pressure out of it mm-hmm. uh just just we, okay we squeeze 14 out but set it at 12 so it slows it down uh and that all depends on you know the quality of the service uh you know, how much they know how well they've how long they've been been working We'll we'll do down to an ounce a second. 
in order to make sure that we've got the right flow for the right customer. Okay. Sure. Sure. And uh, the flip side is uh, we can go really fast at a uh, at a ballpark. We'll go <laughs> really <laughs> right. fast. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ballparks have to be uh, a whole other animal. Do you have a lot of ballparks that you uh, are yeah. and, and draft doctor service? Yeah, them? yeah. We uh, we actually uh, set up the system for the uh, in Portland for the uh, uh, what's the name of the park? It's uh, it's it's where the Timbers play. Uh, we set all that up at uh, uh, three ounces a second. And then uh, CenturyLink Field, we set that. Uh, that's where the Seahawks play. Uh, mm-hmm. We set that up at three three ounces, uh, three ounces a second. Super fast, sure. super super fast. But all of those locations run, uh, even though they run plastic cups, uh, mm-hmm. twenty ounces, twenty four ounces, they all have rinsers, which oh, uh, sure. smooth the uh, smooth the side. And then uh, we are right now in negotiations to take care of the Mariners. Oh, nice job! Yeah, yeah. So uh, kind awesome. of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you do. So not only does do you do the maintenance and stuff, you obviously do installs right. um, of all of those things. Um, got a particular install that was you know, a good story that maybe was really difficult for one reason or another that you're super proud of or a place that people might recognize and oh, think, yeah. oh, yeah, I've been there, or, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, uh, we did the, uh, the Warriors, uh, Warriors um, uh, Stadium uh, in California. Oh, the, the new one? Is that, it's yeah. not the Oracle anymore, is it? That's the old building, right? Uh, I think that's the old building. I don't know what the name is, but it's where the Warriors play. And we did that. Um, the interesting thing about it was uh, one of the runs was 785 feet long. So let's do the math. Let's do some beer math. <laughs> so the, so beer math, is, uh, real simple, is the diameter of the line times the, the length. So it's, uh, so it's three-eighths of an inch three-eighths inch tubing mm-hmm. and this was uh this is a perlick project uh great engineers at perlick great people uh 750 feet times three-eighths of an inch id uh which so it works out to uh 750 times three quarters of an ounce per foot hey let's do the math on that one how many ounces is that would that be a thousand? I'm thinking that's a thousand ounces. It's a lot per line. <laughs> yeah, that's and how that's and a... how many lines that oh, run that each, far? Oh, uh, uh, those those packs were those packs were sixteen packs. Uh, so uh, there were four four glycol lines, four copper glycol lines, and then uh, 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 four. Four times four, 16. Four lines around each, uh, four three-quarter inch lines around it. So uh, keg of beer is 1984. It was one 
pretty much three quarters of one keg to fill one line. So, yeah. That's, um, why, that's why you pay so much at the ballpark for beer, because they got to throw <laughs> away three quarters of a keg just to clean their beer lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. They don't do that. Yeah, um, exactly. What? Yeah. They don't clean their beer lines? Oh, golly. I can't believe uh, it. Uh, <laughs> um, breaking news man so yeah exactly uh so uh i can't even imagine what what then i mean is that are you pushing that with a 60 40 blend what are you how are you even pushing that uh oh. not oh that's with pumps you gotta you gotta you gotta run pumps with that Sh- sure okay yeah yeah, uh, you run run twelve pounds of straight CO two to the keg, and then, uh, if memory serves me correctly, it was eighty five pounds of pressure to the to the pump. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Um, wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine. That's that's something I I've not even, I guess, fathomed. I mean, I I know some of those those chases have to be insanely long. Um, so then, you know, obviously they're not going to, if you have a third of, of a keg just in the line, uh, they're not just hooking up one keg to one line. Are they all kind of daisy chained or or how are they setting up the kegs in that draft system? Well, yeah, they'll run, uh, uh, in, in those locations, they'll, they'll run, uh, uh, a series, series sure. of two, series of three, but believe it or not, uh, these guys have gotten really, really smart. They, there's somebody actually in the cooler for the match that match the game. The yep, what do you call a hockey thing? What's co- what's hockey? Is that like I don't know. Uh, that's a game. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's a game. It's a sport. I don't know. It's one of those things. J- yeah, but, man, JT, if he were here, he would be all over this one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, but um, no, they, they, there is somebody that is literally stands in the cooler with a parka the entire game uh, and does nothing but changes kegs. Just watching the fobs go off or how are they uh, doing that? Yeah, or watching watching the jumpers. They'll mm-hmm. watch the jump. They'll watch the jumpers in, uh, in throughout the entire, um, throughout the entire game. And when they see an empty jumper, they'll uh, change the keg, throw one in front. Yeah, I it's, mean, you should, it's crazy, you should, but it's cheaper oh. than than wasting. I mean, you should oh. you should in theory be able to to install a flow meter and, and kind of alarm when you're when you're at a certain point, right? You can do that. Yeah. Flow meters. Uh, there's a couple of great companies that do that. Um, and, but yeah, um, all, all of the current, uh, new installs have fobs, which will shut it off. So, because you don't want to fill 750 feet of, uh, trunk line with foam. Uh, (laughs) yeah. How many pictures, how many pitchers does that turn into? Uh, yeah, a thousand exactly. ounces turns into 500, yep. 500, or no, a thousand ounces turns into 250 ounces of beer. So yeah, having somebody standing there is much cheaper than losing that much beer. 
Yeah. How would sure. how would you be like to be the guy that can say, "Oh yeah, I saw the or I was at the game when the Warriors clinched the NBA championship." Oh really? Where were you seated? No, I was in the beer cooler. <laughs> I've, been, I've been I've been at all of these huge sporting events that have happened, but uh, I was in the beer cooler the whole time. Wearing yeah. a parka. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, that is something I did not. You know, like I said, I've I've done other things with draft systems. I have no idea how it works at a stadium, and that is. Um, uh, that's crazy to think that they're em- employing someone for the entirety of the game to just stand there re- ready to swap out a keg at a moment's notice. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 so profitable, and think about minimum wage. Sure, you know, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Well, yeah, again, all right. So, I mean, you're thinking about that that one thousand nine hundred eighty four ounces in a keg, right? Right, uh, right. Your average your average pour is what twelve to eighteen ounces at those stadiums, depending on the size of the cup that they're having, and they're yeah, charging they're charging eight dollars a beer. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that keg gets really profitable really quick. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that's that's awesome. That that is something I have never, uh, never ever ever seen i kind of want to see aaron trying to do it though because i kind of feel like it would have a uh i love lucy at the at the pie factory type of thing where he's just scrambling and now just oh yeah keg couplers into his mouth to try to prevent things from going everywhere (laughs) well if you if you think about it most most of the uh most of the games you know uh at a football game you you go through the the third period, uh, third quarter, and then they shut it off. But most of those coolers, most of those coolers will change a hundred kegs in that time. And that's a lot of product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is, that is, that is is a ton. (laughs) I I guess on on the bright side, you are pretty sure that your beer is going to be fresh. That you get at the ball game, yeah. Well, <laughs> the hilarious thing is, most of the stadiums up until the last ten years were fine, absolutely fine with pushing straight air into the into, into uh, the beer the beer system because they knew for a fact that they would be, you know, they had run out of all beer. And there would be no oxidized beer, or at least there'd be very little oxidized beer well, by the and, end and, of the game. And you're not yeah. going to have any any off-gassing. Uh, I mean, because that off-gassing is going to happen, but it takes time to off-gass. You know, I mean, if, if yeah. you left if you left that keg at, at eight psi, eventually it would off-gass. But if it's at Correct. zero psi of co of co two, but you're pushing through that entire keg that quickly, you don't really care right i mean you guys think back to college you think about the party pumps the the little hand pumps and all that that's just straight oxygen that's going in there and that's why that keg tasted terrible the next day but if you went through that keg that fast in a game setting you wouldn't even know that that, that's a good point i didn't even think about that i'm kind of surprised that stadiums have actually been good enough to go to co2 from a beer stewardship (laughs) standpoint because it would be way easier to just get an oxygen pump and 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 pull that in 
Yeah, atmospheric pressure. Yeah, right. it can be done. All right, all right. Even just you know a, a nitrogen generator, I suppose. But yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hey, JT. Hey, can you guys hear me? <laughs> yes. Good to, glad to see you finally were able to get Christ. that computer sorted out. <laughs> well, it was downloading an update and got to stage three of three and froze there for ten minutes. So I just did a hard restart. Then it's say installing reinstalling updates got to thirty percent and just sat there. So I did a hard restart. Then I went to go onto Skype and said Skype is not found. You must download a new copy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just want to join. <laughs> then I downloaded it and went open. I'm like, you've got ah. So, so yeah. Cheers, awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say, it. go ahead and and, uh, and drink up, JT. That that sucks. Uh, That'll definitely happen. So, Tim Tim's been getting wild by the mechanics of uh, stadium beer uh, lines and systems. Okay, stadium for football, baseball, hockey, just basketball, all, all, yeah, all of the all of, all of the above. Yeah, so much, so much so that I bet if David pays for Tim's airline tickets sometime to come out, he'll work for free. Uh, absolutely, just, just to I, see. It. I, I I would, man. I, just to to see this. I mean, because you know, most of the setups I've ever had to deal with maybe had. You know, the largest run may may have been twenty feet of of rise, you know, fifteen feet of drop, and mm-hmm. maybe thirty feet of travel. Right, oh, so I, that's that's pretty small compared to seven hundred and fifty freaking feet of 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 line. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine how much glycol. Uh, uh, get spent in, a, in an average game too. Well, it's recirculated. Um, most of those uh, most of those chillers are are uh, uh, one horse to one and a half horse, and they're the you know uh, everything's two oh eight. So you know it's pretty efficient. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, once you get once you get the temperature down, you're good to go. It it just hums along because you know glycol systems don't chill beer; they just maintain whatever the cooler temperature is. That, so, yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, like most of my glycol system experiences is for chilling beer in the brewery, so it's a little bit different, I guess. That's true, true, right? Completely different animal, completely different. Yeah, yeah we have a. We have a friend that's a uh, of the show that's a brewer that's had a glycol issue this week. If you've been on Twitter, Tim, have you seen? Yeah, that? <laughs> Joel. Unfortunately, uh, hi, Joel. I know you're listening. I'm sorry that that uh, you've wanted to kill everything. Uh, like I said, man, I know Florida brewers that were just bragging about not using glycol. So you could just be one of those <laughs> shit lords and do that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, um, but, uh, that's uh, one of the things that I, I always kind of wondered about, cause you know, we do as a chemical company, we do the SAP center down in San Jose where the sharks mm-hmm. play. And I know there are tap lines and stuff on the third floor of that building, right. You know, <laughs> in the suites and all of that. And I just think, 
how far that's probably traveling to get up there and everything else. So uh, it was interesting in that because I knew you did some of that or did that kind of stuff. So, well, m- most most of the loca- most uh, places have uh, a chiller or not a chiller, but a cooler on each level, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, or two, one on each side of the stadium or the the venue. Well, I'm just going to say the venue. Um, unless it's a really old location like Soldier Field in Chicago, where they have one and everything comes out of it, which is really bad. Um, but Just like the football team. <laughs> the Bears? The Bears? The Bears. <laughs> At least a quarterback uh, play. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. Fair. So hey, hey, that's, a, that's a city that considers Jay Cutler a legend. They don't really have a high standard for quarterback play. <laughs> Mike Tom Zach, what? <laughs> Holy so, cow! So, you know, so, guys, sorry, you're really. If the fridge was alive, he'd be coming through the wall <laughs> right now. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! But, uh, you know, currently, you know, most most of the newer lo- newer stadiums, newer venues have uh, have uh, beer coolers on each level, uh, and with that, the uh, the you you run out of that to both sides. Yeah, if it's a if it's a baseball stadium, it's you know up up the first baseline or or uh, or 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 up the uh, the third baseline, mm-hmm. or, but uh, you know those those locations. Believe it or not, they're technically easy, real easy, in comparison to like ski resorts or high altitude locations. Oh yeah, I've I've often thought about that. Like when I've been at a chalet up at the top of a mountain, um, mm-hmm. in in Colorado, I've I've been like, good lord. Well, first of all, I just. I wouldn't want to be the 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 distributor that had to come drop off the kegs at this place uh, right. and deal with with that. Uh, but then also just even just kind of the the maintenance of that system and everything else that's going on is also. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I've been I've definitely been kind of the nerd sitting there drinking a beer at the, at the chalet, going, "I'm glad I don't have to service this yeah. thing." Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we are known for is our high altitude work, and uh, yeah, uh, and custom, custom, custom blends of gas in order to make that work. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's one of the, it's one of the things that I'm kind of proudest of for the draft doctor uh, is our high altitude work because uh, we're we're called on by uh, all the all the ski lodges. Uh, for you know their upper upper locations high um, we for example we do a lot of work in uh, in Jackson Wyoming which is <laughs> uh, the altitude is uh, 6162 in case you're 6160 in case you're wondering so something to think about uh, and uh, you know that changes a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things when it comes to the uh, uh, pressure and the uh, blend of gases and how how you how you run things how you take care of uh, how you take care of the products uh, because ultimately it's what's best for beer yeah so so uh, Aaron and JT just just to kind of give you an idea 
just by altitude altitude alone. So you have a five percent beer at two point five five volumes, thirty eight degrees, going from sea level where you might keep it at eleven point six psi up to sixty one hundred feet of elevation. You're now all going to have to have everything balanced out at 14.7 so it's jumping you up three psi which i know doesn't sound like a ton but from a percentage wise it's a pretty significant thing uh it it makes a pretty big difference too on what you're using as well very true very true nerds (laughs) (laughs) your math (laughs) As someone here who's actually worked at an arena for the past decade plus, who is responsible for the pain and the maintenance of all this? Is it up to the teams? Is it up to the arena? Or is it kind of a case-by-case scenario? From my experience, uh, the team, uh, well, it depends depends on where you are in the country. If you are in the 26 states where... Uh, breweries are responsible for the the beer if, from uh, production to consumption. Then that's an uh, someone agreeing with my <laughs> hi doggo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, then then it's entirely the breweries. If okay. uh, if it's uh, if it's the other 24 states, then there's a third party that takes care of it. And the, then the, the con, uh, concessionaire would take care, would be responsible for that. So uh, the Aramarks, the Delaware Norths of the world. Center plate. Center plate. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yep. All great yep. people. They all run uh-huh. a great ship. They're good, good operators. Um, um, so those folks uh, would be responsible for it. And uh, to my knowledge, all of those, all of those folks do are sticklers for quality product, quality, quality product coming out of the faucet. All right. So with that in mind, when we talk about the air marks and the center plates and all of these, these groups, uh, all these concessionaires, uh, who, yes, in my experience have all been fantastic I I still have the question of um why the f can't I get a good beer in an airport? Why are so many airport airport bars have dirty lines and old beer? Well, let 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 me tell you where you can get a good beer. <laughs> so so the Alaska Lounge in the oh, Ingates yeah. of SeaTac Airport if you've got a Alaska Lounge pass for the day, they got a good beer in there. Okay, well that's very uh, specific, so I appreciate that. I'll try to. That's a wrap. that's a long we way also, to go to have one good. We beer also at an are yeah. happen to be talking to the guy who installed it. <laughs> oh God, well, I'm going nowhere near that. Then I will <laughs> I will route all of my flights. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm flying from from uh, Minneapolis to Orlando. Uh, what is the way I can go through SeaTac? Yes. <laughs> Believe it or not, on Alaska you, Airlines, you on Alaska, <laughs> you can actually go one two stops: Minneapolis, Seattle, Seattle, 
Orlando. <laughs> oh, so, so I might that makes actually so have much to, sense. Yeah, but but no, for real though, David. I, I'm sure that you've experienced this. Uh, I remember yeah. one time I was talking with with uh, Ray Daniels, who runs the Cicerone program, and and he said, you know, sometimes the best beer at an airport is a gin and tonic, because there's Absolutely. so many of them ha- like struggle with that. Even even right. some of these places where there are breweries that have a location, which really they've just licensed out to a concessionaire or whatever, but breweries with their on-site tasting room or whatever, the beer experience is terrible there. So so what – tell me about this. Well, the well, let's start off with the, just the logistics to get into an airport with chemicals that will kill people. That's that's always that's always fun and exciting. Okay, so uh, that's a yeah, that's well, a minor point. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I'll concede that. Chemical <laughs> with me that uh, can explode and will possibly kill people. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, uh, we take care of we take care of uh, four airports. Take care of SeaTac, uh, Seattle Tacoma, Portland PDX. And uh, uh, Spokane, GEG, and Boise, uh, BOI. Uh, and I will tell you that it is number one, real hard, real hard to get uh, in mm-hmm. to uh, work in the within the security uh, framework. It's not impossible. It's just really hard. And in order to get in. in you you cannot do an entire airport in one day. You can do one gate in a day, and then another gate in a day, and another gate. And when you when you're in places like LAX, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's virtually impossible to get it, to get things done in a in a 14 day uh, rotation. Yeah, so, um, so, so, uh, Aaron and JT. Generally, the idea is every two weeks you do an alkaline clean, and uh, what are you guys doing? Like once a quarter, an acid clean. Acid clean once a quarter, uh, as per per like micromatic. Uh, yeah. you know everybody because they don't want the, the acid. The BAs, eat up the BQM, product. all that. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, so I could yeah I I could imagine getting in to, to clean those lines. He said one gate would do it so that that makes that makes a ton of sense yeah. um, hmm. so, so, it's, so it's, you know it's it's also it's also long draw and every 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 single uh every to my knowledge every single uh beer system in a uh airport is long draw mm-hmm. and if you don't use the right equipment to clean with which is for long draw you have to pump you cannot mm-hmm. use a pressure pot so let's go back to the 26 states where the brewers the brewery is responsible those locations those states those cleaners and this is a blanket blanket statement that a very high percentage when they walk in there they're walking in with two three and four 
cleaning canisters, not a cleaning pump. And there's only one way to get long draws clean, and that is with a pump. The proper uh, proper mix of caustic and mm-hmm. the proper amount of time. So, so, and the proper temp. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and I, the proper temp. And so. and that's a qu- quite well, especially too, because if you think about it, on a on a really long draw, depending on how that's set up, you might have a, a you know glycol system we set off. You might have a significant temperature loss along that too. Um, you will, right? You will. Uh, why are people so I've never understood this frankly I've always been a pump guy why are why are people so big on pressure pot, uh, pots that I I don't really find them more convenient well for for short draw uh you know under the counter direct draw makes all the sense in the world truly and uh is it a holdover from uh from prohibition absolutely Absolutely. Uh, technology is not the friend of a lot of people. There's, there, there's that, but you can, you can, you can pump a line or not pump a line. You can uh, pressure pot a line mm-hmm. really quick, especially if you're only doing one line. Yeah. No. Okay. So if, if, if I'm the, and I'm just going to use uh, ABI as an, as an example, uh, Anheuser Busch uh, InBev. If I have, if I'm at a airport and I'm in a brewery clean straight, brewery clean state. Sorry, <laughs> the whiskey's catching up with me. No, uh, and I have, and, I, and all I have on in all of the locations is Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to clean somebody else's line for free. I'm just going to clean my line and it's one way. So there it is. It's, it's economics. Yeah, I suppose. Right. Cause you're not, you're not using a jumper at that point. So you're not worried about feeding it in and out. You're literally just pushing one way through a line. Okay. Yeah. I, that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. To me, it was, it's always just like at this point, pumps have gotten to be so good and affordable, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the Micromatic makes makes a line cleaning pl- pump that I think is really effective, really efficient, at least to a point where if I'm cleaning, you know, more than, you know, greater than one line, I might as well just go to that because that's going to be, uh, it's going to work. But I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, I hadn't even thought about that, too, I guess. Uh being the whole, you know, with the brewery clean state, I'm, we're not Minnesota. We're not one of those. So I hadn't even thought about that. As a brewer, if you have to clean everything, is there a way to offset the cost of having to clean? Like, how do you guys figure that out from a business standpoint? From from my end or from the brewery end? I guess from both. Well, the 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 breweries. This is straight up. Uh, Try and spend as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the median price nationwide is five dollars a line, regardless of the length. Okay. So, and just so you know, there's uh, to to walk into an account, hook up a pressure pot uh, that's pre-filled with 
hopefully the right the right cocktail, as it were, of uh, of uh, caustic, and then ultimately uh, shoot that through the line and then let it sit for 20 minutes you can't do it financially for five bucks or 550 it works out to uh 875 okay okay so currently nobody's paying the breweries are not paying what they need to in order to cover the cost of line cleaning fuel uh labor Here's one. Here's one. You're going to love this one. Insurance. <laughs> I run a small it, business. That's one of our biggest expenditures is health insurance yeah. for, not to mention business insurance and all that. Yeah. Well, if you're line cleaning, if you're line cleaning, in order to be, to be accepted by any chain, you need to have uh, $2 million plus a $2 million umbrella because, because believe it or not, the cost of a life if you kill somebody is about $2 million. That's crazy. So, In the construction industry, it's only a million dollars typically. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't really die when they uh, are poisoned by a uh, caustic. You lose your esophagus. There's okay. only one. There's only one thing in the human body that you can't recreate or transplant. And that's the esophagus. So that means you don't eat anymore. You don't taste anymore. You you just slowly die. So it's about two million. That makes more sense then. Okay. Happy yeah. Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's party. Yeah. Jeez. No, I mean that's. It... <laughs> One thing that that has 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 uh, concerned me in the brewing industry, um, you know, before I went to brewing school is when I was doing a lot of the the draft system stuff. So I'd I'd already kind of fallen in love with with understanding draft quality manual, uh, understanding uh, carbonation, ideal gas, just understanding what the ideal gas law was, right? Um, but one thing that concerns right. me is when I hear other brewers uh, talk about draft systems and draft system maintenance uh, or even just proper carbonation levels and some of the old wives tales that are out there or some of the just the general cluelessness of it. Um, very bluntly, there are a lot of brewers that don't know what the heck they're doing with some of these things. And so for those 26 states where it's up to the brewery to do it, you know, I, I'll trust ABI. I'll trust Miller or Molson Coors now, I guess. I'll trust Stone or Deschutes or New Belgium or, you know, some of these other guys. But you're starting to see it. Some of these um, – Airports, these kind of these boutique local craft beer trying to show off what's going on. And if they're not kind of managed or, or stewarded by um, a guild or something like that, I can't imagine that would be just the Wild West in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
the uh, uh, the brewers that uh, do license out a, a tasting room or a uh, uh, their ideal law their ideal you know restaurant experience really do need to pay a, a real close attention to that because you know uh, you that's that's a lot of times that's one shot you know uh, you, you you walk into uh, you walk into Logan Air Airport and uh, you know there's Sam Adams right there if it's not, not perfect if it's not absolutely perfect is that gonna will that affect your your thoughts on on Sam? From that point forward, I believe so. Mm-hmm. You go to concourse, uh, you go to the uh, uh, D concourse in uh, Portland, Oregon. You wind up uh, at Deschutes. If it is not absolutely perfect, is that going to affect you know your your next six pack purchase? I believe so. Especially, especially because some of these airports have have beers that maybe aren't available nationally. So even though they might be a national or regional brand, right? They're trying to show these things off. Yeah. But what's the point of showing it off if someone can't actually buy your beer? Like, oh man, that's a really good beer, but I got this in Dallas, Texas. I live in you know Seattle. Now I can't get this beer. Like, but if that's how you create demand, though. Yeah. Okay. More people that from outside of your area that that sample it then the better New chance Polaris, you have what? yeah the better chance they have of expansion or knowing where to expand okay. right that makes it um, so yeah but but david i'm sorry i i i cut you off uh how how are you uh then when you're servicing you know a, a accounts or you know even if you just set things up to to run what how are you as someone who is also an airport user? Uh, um, <laughs> how, how are you as just a customer user, okay. of, of the beer? Well, because you're someone who's put something in at, at SeaTac, right? But you're also someone who now is also going to go to a gate. And I, I, I mean, I know you're not a, a big beer drinker, but you're seeing this. Well, let's see here. Uh, we're kind of experiencing uh, some, uh, I don't know, the, uh, issues with the uh, uh, web right now. Um, I'm thinking that the question was something along the lines of, you know, if we set it up, how do we take care of it? And what do we do to maintain? Um, if, is that, if, is that what you're chasing after? Or, or if it's even something that you don't necessarily maintain after you set up. Well, uh, Yeah. Believe it or not, whenever whenever we spec a job, we always spec it uh, specify that it is that it's going to be easy for someone to take care of it afterwards, and that's mm-hmm. that's because you know we started off as a line cleaning company, uh, mm-hmm. and you know we know how hard it is to clean and maintain things if. A lot of just real simple changes weren't made, and so you know we, we affect those. We affected. We have affected those those changes. Um, you know, fobs, fobs. Uh, we 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 run we run fobs and no pumps as much as we can, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we run mixed gas every every chance we get, and everything everything is 
304 stainless steel or better. 304, 316, 324. Uh, and uh, we have actually gone away from using anything uh, that is uh, vinyl uh, for choker. Um, nice. All of the uh, all of the uh, locations that we do now will run uh, will run. They're called swizzle sticks or uh, be <clears throat> excuse me beads for restriction. But the reason for doing that is not for for ease or shortness, but it's for for cleanliness. Uh, the the filthiest thing you can put in your draft system is vinyl line. It is oxygen permeable. Uh, everything we use for a system, regardless of the length, is non-oxygen permeable. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the Valpar uh, Valpar Brewmaster line, and I'm a big fan of that because it has a double oxygen barrier. And mm-hmm. In fact, you can run you can run wine through it, coffee through it. You can. Uh, beer, water, mayonnaise, ketchup, it will not oxidize. You cannot get oxygen through there and, unless you really beat up beat up the, uh, the inner layer of, uh, of oxygen barrier. So with that, we, we do everything to keep oxygen out of the system. And when you do that, you create a cleaner, slicker, more serviceable system. Um, there's a there's a chain of rest uh, chain of uh, it's a brewery chain here in the here in the West uh, called McMinimans, mm-hmm. and we pioneered no vinyl in their system. Uh, and in the locations where they've gone to that, they have nothing but praises to say about the quality of the beer. And it's the same beer from location to location. It's just sure. this location has no vinyl. And uh, as of uh, 2018, not only have we eliminated all vinyl out of uh, out of the system for uh, resi- uh, restriction slash choker, but all jump lines, all drop lines are oxygen barrier. Uh, so from, from, uh, keg to glass, there's no oxygen. Mm-hmm. You cannot, it, you can't get it in. So it's cleaner. It's much cleaner. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that, that would have to be, I, I think, uh, a challenge certainly, uh, even, you know, like, Speaking from the brewer side of, you know, knowing there's only so many things that you can do if the system isn't set up right, right? right. If 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 your if your jumper or your trunk line that's running through a chase in a python is something that's like I can't I can't take apart that entire python just to be able to to exchange out a part or a coupler or anything like that. So like for a brewer for me, I I think it it's it would be reassuring to know this is kind of a, a foolproof idiot proof setup that's going to make my life easier to clean. Yeah, no, I, and the, it, it's an expense to clean and I would think making it as easy as possible would be definitely beneficial. Um, 
for those guys that who want to do it right. So um, that's interesting. I wouldn't have not I wouldn't have thought about that quite the same way. Um, I think we probably need to get into the tasting portion of the show. Um, we've run just about an hour here, probably on the first half. So, um, David, while while uh, we're thinking about it, do you want to go ahead and and plug? And we'll put a link to it too if you give us the website and stuff later, um, where people can find your beer school and all of that. Sure, uh, IBDA Beer School, Beer uh, uh, Draft University is a part of the. Uh, uh, IBDA uh, School of Learning. Uh, we'll uh, put a link at the, the bottom or the top or the side, depending on where you want all want it to go. And uh, thanks for everything. Yeah, no, happy to have you. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're obviously welcome to stick around for the second half if you want. I know you're not drinking the beer with us. Um, but, uh, you know, up to you. But uh, we'll take a short break here. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, uh, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. And uh, we will be right back with the second half of Bitter Units with our beer fresh squeezed from Deschutes. Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Aunt Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard, and there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. All right, and welcome back to the second half of Bitter Units. I uh, hope you enjoyed a word from Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Uh, they are available at, as they said on the commercial, high vs Fairways. At their own website is probably the easiest place if you're not in the Midwest to Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, or just DeadeyeBBQ.com, I believe. Um so welcome back. David is still with us. Um, he will be our first guest to not be drinking the beer with us, but we're having so much fun. He's going to hang out because he's <laughs> drinking Woodford Reserve because he's fancy. And uh, we've got uh, Tim begging for with more questions. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce our first our, our beer. Uh, first, let's introduce the beer, I guess, is what I was trying to say. And uh, the beer, beer. Yeah, it's not my first beer. I can tell you that. Um, our beer tonight is fresh squeezed, uh, IPA from Deschutes, uh, the second Deschutes beer we've done, um, as we did Black Butte Porter when we had Neil Stewart on, uh, early in the pod series. This is a 60 IBU and a 6.4% alcohol by volume beer. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about uh the brewery and all that in that other episode so we're not going to get a whole lot into that again obviously a, a stalwart in the craft brewery industry 
Um, so let's just crack them open and let's get started on this beer. Yeah, absolutely. What day was yours made, Aaron? I know we talked about this on Slack earlier. Was yours in July? Yeah, mine was uh, packaged on 7-22. Mine too. I had, oddly enough, here in Des Moines, at the same date. That's interesting, because I had to find mine at a gas station. Yeah, that's right. I went to a grocery store, and they did not have it. Um, And I remembered from earlier this week when I was in the gas station, and I was waiting in line, basically. I was looking at what craft beers they had in their chiller, and this was one in there. So I ran up there and grabbed it. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, interesting that yours is the same age as mine. What about yours, Tim? Uh, mine was August something, I want to say. Uh, August 31st. So mine's two months old. Uh, I, you wouldn't know it. We'll, we'll get into this. I, I have been uh, drinking this ahead of time. I had to do research for the pod, frankly. So, yes, right? right? So I had, to, I had to drink ahead. I'm surprised you couldn't find it there. You know, I mean, Bend, Oregon to Everett, Washington is not... Yeah. Uh, that far well, of a I stretch. I didn't look in a lot of places as I didn't want to drive around. After it oh, wasn't yeah. in the grocery store, I thought, where do I know this is? And I knew where it was, so I just went and got it there. Had oh, I wanted God. to take an entire day to go search for it, I might have been able to find a pressure six-pack. Sure, sure. I'm uh, in Des Moines, and it's pretty readily available here at hy I went to a hy that's widely known in Windsor Heights for changing out their beer bottles pretty quickly and I'm kind of surprised it's the same age as Aaron's to be quite honest. That That is a little weird. So, I mean, Deschutes is one of those that is really, you know, they got known for, for Black Butte. They got known for a few others and Fresh Squeeze has very quickly become kind of one of their their go-to Beers. I mean, I, I hate to say a flagship, but it's it's pretty regular. Yeah. Uh, David, I have to imagine you guys see this on tap quite a bit at different places, right? It's true. Uh, we run into we run into uh, Deschutes uh, an awful lot. Uh, interesting sidebar: I grew up six blocks from the brewery. Really? And, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Gary Fish. Oh. Gary Fish, great guy. Know him, know him pretty well. Uh, nice, real great uh, um, owner. Uh, uh, when they first came out, they had the uh, a brilliant strategy. They had two beers. Um, they had um, Mir Pond. Yeah. In the summer. Yep. Good beer. Yeah, Jubal in the winter. Mm-hmm. And Black Butte Porter year round, and okay. that was one of the beers. That was one of the the beers that I sold when I first started out. Um, and their strategy for, and the reason why I would say they are as a, successful as they are, is it goes back to the distributor that they uh, worked with originally. Uh, it was a company called uh, Admiralty Beverage, and the uh, the owner was uh, Jim Kennedy, who felt that all the uh, all of the, uh, uh, yeah, gunshots. That's gun- the fireworks. That's gunshots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're shooting at me. Yeah. Fireworks going off. The shoots doesn't want the story to get out. Yeah, no. <laughs> no we, uh, so, um, no, Jim Kennedy uh, uh, basically said, you know, the less skews, the better. 
let's run with, uh, you know, your, your flagship Black Butte Porter. And I have a great story about that because I know the brewer that uh, Butte Porter. Uh, I know him very well, John Harris, and uh, a dear friend of mine. Uh, who's also a friend of uh, Jim Kennedy, a pretty interesting group of friends. And uh, um, so, yeah, uh, they branched off from their basic three to, you know, uh, fresh squeezed and uh, obsidian and uh, uh, golden and uh down uh, street brown which i don't know if you guys have ever run across but you know there's there's a plethora of products that they've they've put out and they're they're a really good brewery uh regardless of whether it comes from the east coast of the or the uh, original bend uh central oregon location which has the best water on the planet so yeah we run into it aaron why have we not had david on before yeah he's been really he's been really busy he is he is a nation. Uh, don't tell ne- him that. Next next no no seriously next time that you Do you know a- how unbearable it is going to be the next time I go out to dinner with him now? Good. But- <laughs> Good. For you or for him because I'm pretty sure being out with dinner for your, anyone with you is probably pretty unbearable. Well. <laughs> that's I'm beside sorry. the point. <laughs> no, I no. Seriously, next time you can't make the podcast, Aaron, just send David in, in yeah, your no place. Uh, I'd like to get our numbers up, so it'd be good to have more people. <laughs> By the way, uh, please download, rate, like, subscribe. Uh, yes. <laughs> you can find us at bitterunits.com, yeah. thetailgatesociety.com. <laughs> All of your local podcast subscribing yeah. places. Um, yeah. Although I will say, you know, the last time David and I went out to dinner, I had the best. Uh, and I think it was the last time we went out because it was pre-COVID. Uh, I had the best Brussels sprouts that I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, yeah. 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 That was at, at Cassidy's in Portland. Oh, yeah. Fantastic place. Bob's a great guy. Yeah. What, really good what, restaurant. What is behind you, Aaron, in the window? Um, those are uh, lit up ghost ladies in my front yard. Okay. <laughs> And by that, he doesn't mean Halloween decorations. They're just some <laughs> ghost women who are really high right now. It's yeah. <laughs> around his front yard. I didn't know there yeah. was that many albinos in his neighborhood, but apparently I was wrong. Uh, 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 well, you know, a lot of things are legal in Washington. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, well, let's. Let's start yeah. on this beer here. Yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump into that. So you guys already opened it. What did you get kind of from a nose uh, coming out of that as you opened it or as you stick your nose into it right now? I'll defer to Aaron as I do every week. <laughs> Seriously? No, your allergies no... still haven't cleared up yet? Yeah. It's uh, weird. I can smell everything. But like hoppy beer, just I get nothing. Absolutely don't... nothing. That makes no sense in Nothing. like in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. He can smell his I own had Chinese farts, food yesterday. Smell I can smell that really bad. My coworker eats this horrible smelling yo play yogurt. Or this <laughs> one, like, don't even throw it away in the basket in the lunchroom. Take that out to the dumpster because it smells that bad. But I, can't, the, but I can't smell beer. 
No wonder you love ketchup so much. Uh, anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> ketchup is amazing. <laughs> so anyway, so Aaron, what are you getting? Uh, so, of- yeah. So I definitely get um, a little bit of citrus. Sure. Uh, smell to it. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of... I don't know, maybe a hair of pininess, but it's way more. Yeah. I get more citrus than I get pine. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, I, I, but I think that's probably the the two things that I'm really getting, and as I usually say, it smells like beer. Right. So this beer has citra and mosaic. Uh, citra, as you can guess by the name, would be citrus. Uh, the idea that they call this fresh squeezed, as in fresh squeezed orange juice, it makes sense that you're getting citrus, right? Uh, but that pine uh, really, I mean, there's some pineiness in citra. I get it a lot in, in mosaic. Mosaic, I want to say, is a uh, is related to Simcoe. And so you would definitely get some pininess from there as well. I uh, I have a love hate relationship with mosaic, so we'll we'll kind of talk about that as we go. But so you've got that JT obviously can't smell anything. Uh, so let's go ahead and 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 uh, well, actually, you know what? We didn't talk about appearance. I, oh, you're right. We didn't. You know what? My my bad. We didn't talk about appearance. What are you guys seeing there? For being uh, something that's very heavy on the juiciness, it's very, very clear. It's not very hazy like you with most, would you expect a fresh squeeze with a bunch of orange juice in it to be? It mm-hmm. looks like your typical pale ale. Um, it's not a lighter color. It's more of a red. It's gold color. Maybe a copper would be a better term. Yeah. Very light copper. But it's there's not a lot of bubbles going on, and it's very, very clear and easy to see through. Sure. Aaron? What he said. Um, I think that, <laughs> that covers it pretty well. It is, I mean, really pretty clear. Um, the only thing that, that sort of keeps it from being see-through is because it is that reddish hue. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really clear. Um, and I got a good pour out of it. I had a nice maybe half-inch to three-quarter uh, head when I first poured it, and then mm-hmm. in the last you know, five, 10 minutes or whatever, it's dissipated. Um, but it's not but completely still, gone. It's still like a, like the head's still yeah. kind of a film at this standpoint. So like it's still there, which is kind of nice. So yeah. it doesn't completely disappear like some of the beers we've done before. So, yeah. so a couple, a couple things here. Uh, one, right. This is, this is a West coast brewery. This is a West coast IPA. Uh, so it has, it's going to be clear. Uh, it's going to have, this has, uh, crystal malt in it. It's got some Munich in it. Um, uh, Munich tends to be more kind of like biscuity. It's this, uh, German malt that was dry kilned that was supposed to be, a lot of American brewers use it as like a specialty malt, but it has the diastatic power to to be a, a base malt. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, uh, David is someone who's familiar with this brewery and kind of what West coast IPAs, uh, look like and, and taste like, and, and I, you at least understand this beer. Uh, 
Am I off on any of that? This is pretty kind of West Coasty. No, no, you're 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 right on tap. You're right on tap. Wow, I there can't. Believe that. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, it, you know, there's there's a definite level of filtration that goes on. It, it's it's not a hazy hazy by any stretch of the imagination. And the uh, guys, did you all notice that you had really good head on this? Yes. Yeah. Really? Okay. So, a uh, little known, little known factoid, little bit of oatmeal in there. Is there really? Really? A little bit of oatmeal. Huh. Huh. A little bit of oatmeal. I would not have guessed that. I mean, I, I, I could get the Munich and I could get the, the, the crystal, obviously. But yeah, yep. it, it did have really good. It's leaving a, a fairly decent lacing yep. on my glass. Great uh, head retention. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves great head retention. Oh, my goodness. Um, I just right said there. it before JT did because you know he was thinking it. He's always the one that goes to the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just like you. my bowling, straight <laughs> to the guitar. But yeah, I mean, honestly, it's pretty red for being just crystal in Munich, and and yeah, apparently a little bit of a little bit of oat. Um, well, and then the base, I just pale. Um, I. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a pretty beer. It for being something called fresh squeezed, as JT said, you think of this like orange juice. You know, this is a beer that's kind of come out in the the New England and the hazy IPA type of craze where they're all first of all uh, fresh squeezed. Trying to say it's like orange juice, but sixty IBU is pretty awesome, right? Because uh, they're still sticking true to that West Coast route. Uh, and they're basically just to me. They're basically just saying, "Hey, we can make a juicy beer that's that's still uh, uh, traditional." Uh, that craft beer revolution that David was talking about in the '90s, you know, where these guys kind of popped off on this stuff. So let's let's jump into to let's finish that with that taste, mouthfeel, and finish. Um, so you definitely get the. Orange juice, the juiciness, or I don't know if it's orange or, but the citrus to it. But there's a bit of a almost grapefruity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far, but like maybe. Rind, like rindy. Uh, yeah, maybe. And there's a and there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a sweetness to it. Okay. Um, yeah. that I would assume probably comes from the malt. Um, to some extent. Yep, yep. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get that. And I think that helps to cut the 60 IBUs a little bit. It doesn't taste super bitter. I mean, it's there's some bitterness to it, but it's not it's not punching you in the face or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, mouthfeel-wise, it's, it's smooth, um, lingers a little bit, um, but... Not doesn't it doesn't come out dry like our rye did the rye IPA we did a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you get a little bit of that. I don't know, cloying sweetness is that the word you use? So that I do, yeah. so, so that I don't say. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feel the mouthfeel, the the slick mouthfeel a little bit. Yep. JT. So to me, you you hit. I was pointing at you because you said the word smooth. This is something from the minute it tips. If I take a sip until I get done drinking it, it goes all the way down. The aftertaste. It's very consistent and smooth to the finish. It's not something that changes a ton. We've had a lot of beers recently where there's a lot of lingering flavor to it. And this isn't one of them. That's not as good or bad. It just, it doesn't linger longer than it should, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and here's where I'm going to be uh, a bit of a contrarian here. And I'm, and I'm not even going to do it. Like, normally I would just say, hey, you guys are idiots and you're wrong. Uh <laughs> Uh, and, and that's not what I'm going to say here. Uh, So a lot of people really love this beer. Uh, a a lot of people that who I normally think I have a similar palette to really love this beer. Uh, I like to have a little bit of crystal malt in my IPAs. I like the, the West coast style IPA. That is what, you know, I cut my teeth on. Um, I, I, the struggle I have, so I, I mentioned there's citrus and mosaic and I don't know how much mosaic is in it. I get a lot of mosaic out of this. I don't get as much citra and I am not in love with the mosaic hop. To me, my palate really kind of perceives it as more earthy. Uh, I wouldn't say resinous, but just kind of earthy. Um, and so I don't get. Like like I said, you know, like grapefruity rindy. I get like rind. I don't the citrus part to me isn't like juice, it's rind. You and, you eat a lot of watermelon rind? Is that, uh, I usually avoid that part. I, well, I was thinking more like, you know, <laughs> I I I uh I put a twist in my, in my cocktails, right? So more citrus rind. Yes. I I can I can see that now that you say it like that. I mean, I Right. And so there's a bit of a bitterness to that, and even though you still get the citrusiness from a rind like that, but there's it, it lends to some bitterness too. Yeah, and there's just an earthiness. Like, I've a lot of the, the mosaic driven beers that people love, I've just struggled with. Like, my palate personally, um, that I, I mean. By all means, man, I love I love Citra, and I love a lot of Citra beers. Citra, to me, was always kind of the cheater hop. It was the thing that people could always just go to and know that it was going to sell really well. And then Mosaic came along, and everyone just fell in love with Mosaic. And for me, I it's I've always said that I, like I haven't even said that it was earthy. I I invented a term called earthy. <laughs> um, because, welcome to Earth. Yeah, welcome to Earth. It's, yeah, kind of inspired by that. Like, it's not, I mean, it doesn't taste like dirt, but it has, like, this weird kind of dirty quality to it that I'm not in love with. Uh, the the crystal on this, to me, kind of, uh, I don't want to say fights with the, the citrus, but it's a, just a weird mix, but... You know, I appreciate what you said about how it's not it's not overly sweet and it helps cut through the bitterness and it doesn't come across as 60 IBUs. I don't get that perceived bitterness like from early edition hops. It just comes from from that. Uh, yeah, man. I shoot. I I guess I'm. 
coming out out of the 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 mosaic closet here and saying that I don't love mosaic beers. <laughs> oh. I do hey. kind of like I most mosaic beers I've had I've pretty much enjoyed it. The shoots fresh squeeze is a beer I've enjoyed for a number of years. It's been readily yeah. available and it's hard to define, but yeah, I, I guess I'm disagree with you. I like mosaic beers, but yeah, no. And it, like I said, I don't disagree because you, you guys are wrong. I, I disagree because it's just not for whatever reason. It's a very, very well-crafted beer. I love this beer. And, and I would never give, you know, like, again, I'm not going to give this a low rating on, on an untapped because I know that I just don't like mosaic. <laughs> No, you just don't like Untapped. Uh, <clears throat> well, no, I. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I don't. I don't mind Untapped. I hate Untapped users. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a difference there. Hey, um, hey, David. Yes. A, a question for you: How does your Woodford finish? It's smooth. <laughs> smooth. Smooth. Okay. Smooth. I just wanted to check. Yeah. There's no. I, I little, little to no hop in it at all. Actually. <laughs> Just a minute, just a minute. Is it, is it oaky? <laughs> no, not really. You know, I'm I'm doing the retro nasal, try, trying to get the retro nasal going to see if there's any amount of hop, and I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good thing. We've used the word retro. Well, I have used the word retro nasal on here just uh, than Aaron did kind of sardonically after the fact so i'm glad that someone else said retro nasal so aaron didn't think i was just being a pretentious asshole I'm, it's actually well, a thing people think use. That, i still yeah. think that yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and confirm yeah well, well let's we talked about a little bit earlier off the show that this is a uh and it says it on the bottle here that it is live yeast out of the bottle always uh bottle conditioned yeah bottle yeah. Can you explain what bottle condition actually means? This is the first time I've ever seen it on a bottle. So uh, bottle conditioning, like we've talked about can conditioning before. Bottle conditioning came first. People weren't conditioning cans uh, right away when they were in bottles. But the idea is you're actually putting some some live yeast in there. So there's going to be some natural carbonation that comes from fermentation, and they might even force carbonate it up to a certain point. And then they're going to package it with live yeast, and any kind of residual sugar that is in there is going to uh, finish out that carbonation. But yeast don't just carbonate. They also clean things up, right? So they're going to scavenge oxygen, yeast create oxygen scavengers, uh, sometimes those those uh, unfiltered beers are some of the the reason why they have shelf stability. And now, I'm not going to say this for um, the uh, uh, the Northeast IPA is the whole other thing, but certain amount of yeast in there they're going to scavenge oxygen, so it's going to help it keep longer. They're going to also kind of clean up some of the other. Uh, esters that might come through through reesterification and stuff like that. They're going to just clean things up. Um, and so it, it creates a nice soft bubble um, and it helps keep it fresher longer. This is one that, you know, they say drink within four months. You guys are at that three month point, so you're still fine. Um, it's something that is not necessarily easy to do at packaging and it's something that I think is really good to do, but also for consumers can be confusing because they're also 
uh, may or may not be dregs at the bottom of your bottle. And so you always have to watch out for that, too. Yeah, I didn't yep. notice any, but I was definitely pouring slowly toward the end to make sure I didn't dump a bunch of stuff into my glass. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, good beer. I like it. Um, you know, it, it's I, maybe not one. Honestly, I think I'm, I might be kind of with you, Tim, mm-hmm. in that it's not one. It's a good beer, but it's not one that I would go to straight away. Sorry, um, Neil. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a good beer. I got beer. your back, Neil. I got your back, bro. <laughs> when when it comes to when it comes to Deschutes I I I'm straight for Black Bee Porter for sure which we did with Neil um I love that beer and uh, there are so many good beers they've got Chain Breaker they've got Inversion they've got oh. yeah tons of them they've come out with a lot of new beers so I, I had totally um, until David had brought it up I had totally kind of forgotten about Mirror Pond because that was the beer that they were known for around yeah. here anyway and is that I, still made? It is. I saw actually saw a twelve pack of bottles of it today when I was yeah, out picking it, this it, up. It, it is, but I I'll be damned if I can find it around here. Yeah, no kidding. I'm in the same boat because Mirror Pond was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we've we've actually lost David. So um, his internet was being a little bit sketchy. So we've we've actually lost him here. But uh, um, I think we probably ought to wrap it up. Anyways, we've we've gone on quite a while tonight. Um, we do want to thank David for coming on. Um, obviously, a guy that knows an awful lot about what he does. Um, oh, yeah. And I, a su- super nice guy. Um, I, I feel pretty lucky to uh, get to spend some of my days and stuff teaching him my business. And, and in turn, I learned a little bit about his just from listening to him talk to other people about it and stuff. So, um, I, but, I, like, uh, I like the idea that you think you're teaching him anything. Uh, 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent. My Bert Kreischer impersonation. A hundred percent. But uh, yeah, so um, we appreciate everybody joining us again. Um, We will put a link to the IBDA uh, school that we talked about, maybe on bitterunits.com. We can throw something on there uh, once we get a link to all that and redirect you. Um, so if you're, if you're interested in that kind of stuff and want to know how the nuts and bolts of all this stuff work, um, I'm sure that that's a great resource. Um, I, like I said, I've known David for three, almost four years now. Um, and he does not, uh, skimp on the details when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, he's very thorough. So, um, if you're interested in that, it'd be a fantastic place to learn. I'm sure. Um, JT, Anything you want to say about this beer or anything before we, we get out of here? I just like the fact that you said he's a good man and he's thorough and it makes you want to go watch Big Lebowski again. <laughs> there you go. Granted, granted my, the name of my bowling team is Little Lebowski Urban Achievers. So I'm always thinking about Lebowski, but still, the yeah, fact you brought up a mod line makes me want to go make some sort of crazy art. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe. We, we did that earlier, too. But check out all the other podcasts on thetailgatesociety.com. I'm going to try to name them all. Are you ready? Culture Check, Sports and Corks, Matinee Baseball, 
We're not that drunk. Drunk dialing. The oh, the one that just came back. Pete's podcast. Stuff and things. <laughs> Stuff and things. There we go. Uh, if you're into Iowa Hawkeye football, which you shouldn't be. Um, is that it? Did I get them all? Old man strength. Old man strength. That's right. The one Tim's on. How did I forget that? Because <laughs> huh. you're an old man. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Tim's right. part of it. I am an old man. But, uh, yeah, hey, check, we... check all of those out. They're, they're really, really good. Um, old man strength is great because Chris is great. Tim's just there. Um, no that is my role my i I don't know that he knows this i'm just there to interview him every week i feel like he thinks it's a discussion and it's me just asking him questions letting him talk yeah yeah so it's really good Uh, i've enjoyed that so um again tim anything else before we get out of here no man thank you for bringing david on aaron i really appreciate it he is a fantastic guest he's really smart I could geek out with him uh, a billion times over. I know we kind of talked into the the science address systems more than you guys give a shit about, but uh, that's one of the most important and one of the most overlooked things in craft beer right now. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, and, I, and I know David pretty, you know, obviously pretty well at this point. Um, so anybody that's listening to this. If you found interest in any of that and, and you want to pick his brain, I, I'm sure I can hook you up with him uh, for a phone call or whatever. He, he wants it to be right. Um, he wants people to enjoy things the way they're supposed to be. He's a big uh, Manhattan guy. That's what he drinks a lot. Um, and there's a very specific way he wants them. And, you know, so he's again attention to detail uh is his thing so if he can help you i'm sure he is willing to do so awesome yeah no i other than that man uh uh, i'm glad we got back drinking another deschutes beer too man well again shout out to neil hi neil uh hopefully we, we can get you back on here at some point too yeah absolutely yeah for sure because they've released a bunch of new those new beers the wowza and the I'm, I'm curious as to how that's uh, being received in the market. And uh, I know they did that Rip City beer for the Trailblazers and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good to catch up. But, uh, hey, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I am Aaron Wall, at Aaron L. Wall on Twitter. That's Tim Johnson. Yes, Tim Johnson. Tim yeah. Johnson, M-N. M-N. And he is... The guy with no sense of smell. I'm pretty sure he's just broken. And JT Nut. And JT The Nut. Two T's. Well, he's got a nut and a Johnson. It's pretty incredible. I told you. He's always the one that's in the gutter. Always. <sighs> Talk about his rod or his Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> and uh, before anything else gets said, thanks for joining us and have a great night. <laughs> Go Big Red!